Here we are, 2020, finally arrived. The new year has started, Lumpur's back. Winter retreats nearly started, I'm not quite. And we have a, a hometown crowd here tonight. I've been thinking a lot about uh, some of the more obscure aspects of the Dharma. Not obscure in that they're they're unfamiliar, but more more that we don't talk about them uh, in much detail very often. Things like dependent origination. We, we speak about them in generalities. And so from time to time, it's good to really explore some of these aspects of the teaching. So I've been thinking a bit about, well, it was triggered by the chanting we did tonight. We chanted the Dhamma Chakrapawatana Sutta, uh, one of the cardinal suttas, one of my favorites. And there's this passage in there that always intrigued me, where the Buddha defines what he means by the word dukkha. Uh, Birth is dukkha, aging is dukkha, death is dukkha, sorrow, lamentation, pain, grief, and despair. Association with the disliked, separation from the liked, not to get what one wants. These are all dukkha. In brief, the five focuses of the grasping mind, pancha kanda, are dukkha. And this one is uh, intriguing. All those other ones, like birth, aging, death, sorrow, lamentation, uh, we can we can discern, in many cases from direct experience, what's unsatisfactory about those things. But this one about the five khandas can be a little less obvious. Uh, 
But the Buddha talks about the five khandhas quite a bit. Uh, there's a significant chunk of the canon, uh, a significant percentage that has suttas where he talks about the khandhas in various ways. And so it behooves us to be fairly familiar. Uh, and not just in a doctrinal way, but in, a, in a, an experiential way. Because as you know, the Buddhist teaching is all about seeing it for yourself. And mere intellectual understanding is insufficient for its transformative power to manifest in your practice. So when you consider these five khandhas, it's well worth your effort to try to see them directly, experience them directly in your, in your contemplation. And try to see how they connect with everything else in the teaching. The five khandhas have this characteristic of essentially including everything that we experience as human beings. This is one of two ways that the Buddha talked about this totality of our experience. So the five khandhas, uh, form, feeling, mental formations, consciousness, what are they? Form, feeling, perception. There we go. Form, feeling, perception, mental formations, and consciousness. These five when you examine your experience, that's all there is. There's no part of your experience that doesn't fall into one of these five categories. So if you're minding your own business, following your breath, the breath, the sensations of the breath are the experience of form. And your perception of things like rising, falling, in, out, air, movement, etc. These all come under perception. So there's the raw sensation and then there's a perception of the mind recognizes what those sensations are. And with that there's always some degree of feeling whether it's pleasant, unpleasant or neutral. Typically it's neutral and we don't really notice it. But feeling's always there. And then mental formations of course are what our mind makes of it. When you, especially when you get distracted, you're noticing uh, mental formations coming. If you start thinking about something because the breath is not holding your attention and that thinking, of course, is mental formations being generated. Actually, perception is a kind of mental formation that gets its own category as a, one of the conducts. And then finally, there's consciousness which is uh, the mental channel within which each one of our senses comes into the mind, comes into our experience. So eye consciousness, ear consciousness, nose, tongue, body, and mind consciousness. So each one of these are a kind of channel or category of, oh, 
what we experience, the light of mental awareness in our mind, is always being presented through one of these six channels. And so this, uh, experientially, you can't really come up with anything that doesn't fall into this. And this is kind of interesting. So the Buddha is pointing this out. That this is, the, this is what we experience. This is the world, as it were. Our whole world is presented to us in, these, in the form of these five khandhas. So when we wake up in the morning, we wake up to the five khandhas. When we walk, we're walking with the five khandhas. When we eat, we're eating with the five khandhas. When we entertain ourselves or when we get bored or just bored with the five khandhas. And even when we have a, an inner dialogue with ourselves or we remember the past, the memories of the past are just made of memories of the five khandhas. Memory itself is one of the khandhas its mental formations. Fantasies about the future, imagination, is always made of manifestations of the five khandhas. So there's no escape. The five khandhas is all there is. You're trapped in the five khandhas. Trapped, but we're also clinging to the five khandhas. That's the point of that, of that definition of dukkha. The five focuses of the grasping mind are dukkha. And so all the unsatisfactoriness that you've ever experienced in your life are manifestations of unsatisfactoriness with the five khandhas, some aspect of the five khandhas. And all the searching that, that we've ever done in our lives, looking for satisfaction, has for the most part been in these five khandhas. We can't really look outside them normally for some kind of satisfaction. So that's kind of the human fate to be born into these five khandhas, to try to find happiness within them, and to pass away frustrated, never really having found what you were looking for. And in fact, what we're looking for is a kind of happiness that the five khandhas literally are unable to provide. And that's really the point of the Buddhist teaching about unsatisfactoriness. That it's unavoidable. It's an inherent. Uh, it's baked in the cake. The cake that you've been eating, the five khanda cake. It has dukkha baked in every mouthful. You don't get to have any that has satisfaction built into it other than the most fleeting and evanescent kind of satisfaction. And it's this very evanescence of pleasure. It's fleeting and quickly dissipating nature that makes it also unsatisfactory. So because the khandhas have this nature, uh, it can't be a source of satisfaction, and yet that seems to be all there is. And so the mind constantly is, is looking again and again and again at the five khandhas, looking for satisfaction there, as though this time it's going to work. 
And of course it never does. And for the for the uninitiated, it's because we don't realize there's any alternative. Clinging to the five khandhas is what we habitually do, what we've been trained from birth to do. What our culture, what our conditioning, what everybody around us does. And it seems often enough that there's really nothing, no real alternative. So it does seem kind of a hopeless task to try to escape these five kinds because where would you go? Wherever you go, there's five khandhas there too. And of course, the, the four noble truths are shedding some light on this question. The first noble truth, of course, is that noble truth of suffering, in which the Buddha defines suffering or unsatisfactoriness in terms of the khandhas. In brief, the five focuses of the grasping mind are dukkha. So the five khandhas are central to this issue of unsatisfactoriness. And birth, death, aging, pain, grief, sorrow, lamentation, despair, those are just the way it manifests. That's the way we uh, look back and say that was suffering or this is suffering. But it's really just modes of the five khandhas different experiences of the five khandhas. When we grieve, we grieve over something having to do with a loss involving the five khandhas. Over and over again, that's that's the point of that. Having the five khandhas be the final, the capstone definition in the, four, in the first of the Four Noble Truths. And so there in the second Noble Truth, the Buddha points out Uh, He elaborates a little bit. It's that clinging which is bound up and leads to rebirth, bound up with pleasure and lust, always seeking fresh delight, now here, now there, namely clinging to sense pleasures, clinging to existence, and clinging to annihilation. And again, on inspection, we can see that this is this is what the mind does. So when it comes to the five khandhas, we're looking to the five khandhas for happiness in the form of various kinds of comfort, pleasure, safety, relaxation, entertainment, beauty. These are clinging to the five khandhas in the form of the pleasure that they give us through our senses. So when we remember pleasures that we've had in the past, it's usually something that we experienced bodily or otherwise that we found to be pleasant. And there's always along with that some little wish that maybe we could experience that again. And when we look forward to pleasures in the future, it almost always involves some feeling of something good, something gratifying, something something satisfying like a satisfying meal, or a delicious hot drink, or warmth there for cold. Uh, this sensory kind of gratification that we 
habitually seek, which our bodies are designed to prompt us to seek, uh, it's that that gratification is bound up actually with our bodies being uh, in some form of homeostasis, homeostatic balance, a balance that's easy for us to metabolically maintain. So being cold is uncomfortable, and uh, being a, at a normal temperature, room temperature. If it's been really cold outside and we're outside and we come in, we automatically experience pleasure, uh, whether we like it or not, at the relief of the cold and the experience of the, of the relative warmth of the indoor temperature. So our bodies are kind of guiding us with pleasure uh, towards what amounts to maximization of our physical survival. And our minds grasp at this. We, we like pleasure, our minds like pleasure, and so there's a tendency to uh, pursue it. And so that's that pleasure, that lust, when we don't recognize that's what's happening, we get bound up with it, as he puts it. Bound up with pleasure and lust, bound up with rebirth. And rebirth, of course, doesn't merely refer, or doesn't only refer, to rebirth in the future, some future life, but the way that we constantly bring ourselves, as it were, back into existence here in this very life. So he also defines it as uh, bound up with becoming and bound up with annihilation. So. These are like the black and white of our existence, of our, of our experience of life. We want things to be a certain way. Uh, we want to have a nice kuti, for example. We want to have, um, we want to become uh, something that we are not. So if we're uh, a lay person, then we want to become a monk, or if we're a student and we want to become a professional, or if we're single and we want to get married, or if uh, we're sick and we want to be healthy. Whatever it is, we find ourselves in a particular state of being now. And standing there, we look outwards towards alternate states of being, things that we could become. And we incline towards one that one or another that looks more satisfactory than our current condition. And this, this happens in both a trivial small scale, like uh, I'm, I'm feeling hungry and I want to become full, or it can be a much grander scale, uh, being impoverished and wanting to be wealthy, or being uh, uneducated and wanting to be very, very well educated. So it can be a big project to become a doctor or a lawyer or some other professional status. And a lot of our mental energy goes into these things. And of course, um, it's all bound up with the five khandhas and it's all fundamentally not uh, capable of yielding true satisfaction. And we often find that things that we have become, like say we've become this... Uh, uh, disenchanted with our our partner 
We want to become separated from them. So if you're married, say you want to become divorced. Um, this is a, a desire for to get rid of something or to, if you will, annihilate something that, we've, that we we're putting up with now, we want to get rid of. So our current state of existence is unsatisfactory. And we view it in terms of wanting it to go away, wanting it to go and be completely absent. And at the extreme, this can be a desire for uh, all experience to come to a halt, to cease to know anything, to experience anything, to simply uh, vanish with this process of consciousness and experience to stop a complete annihilation, the complete ending and cessation of consciousness, uh, a kind of a suicide wish, as it were. So it takes, it has, like everything else, it has a range. And what we're wanting then is, is we're feeling sick and tired of the five khandhas, and we want them to stop. And it doesn't really work that way, because the five khandhas don't obey us. So these ways of regarding our experience of the five khandhas, seeing them as possibly providing gratification in various sense pleasures, or gratification in various types of becoming, or various gratification in various kinds of annihilation. Uh, these are all ways of relating to the five khandhas uh, in such a way that's guaranteed to provide more unsatisfactoriness. So when you're, when you're sitting and meditating quietly, it's helpful just to recognize the, the truth of these five khandhas. Uh, when you're walking and doing walking meditation, just notice that the sensations coming from your feet, that's form. And uh, whether it feels good or neutral or unpleasant, that's feeling. And recognizing the shape of your foot is perception. Recognizing the objects in your visual field is perception. Thinking about Dhamma is mental formations. Knowing what's going on is, involves consciousness. Consciousness is aware of these objects coming in, rising and passing away. And that's all, that's all that's really going on. But there is this possibility of relating to it in a non-clinging kind of way, not seeing it as a field of ambition for you to get various things or get rid of various things. Because the, point, the Buddha points out that it's the clinging that causes the unsatisfactoriness. The khandhas are just the khandhas. But it's the mind's attitude of clinging towards the khandhas that yields the unsatisfactory experience, this experience of unsatisfactoriness. And so that's why the, the way it's put at the end of the list, the five focuses of the grasping mind, Ardukkha. That's why it's put in that kind of awkward phrase. The Buddha doesn't say, the five khandhas are dukkha. He's not saying that at all. But that the grasping mind, grasping at the five khandhas, this is the dukkha. So again, it's pointing both at what is, what's happening operationally, this grasping aspect of the mind, 
and the field at which it grasps. It's limited to only grasping at the five khandhas because that's all there is really in experience. So when you can identify the five khandhas individually, you can discern the difference between form and perception, feeling and mental formations, mental formations and consciousness. When you can pick these things out, notice how they overlap with each other, how they they bring each other into existence, how you don't really get to experience just one of them all by itself, or at least not for very long. You can focus your attention on each aspect and get glimpses of it with some degree of clarity, especially as concentration improves. And as you're examining the five khandhas, as you're examining this experience of the khandhas arising and passing away, you'll also get glimpses of the mind's tendency to cling, or to grasp, or to relate to the khandhas as though they're something which is worthy of grasping. And that's where you're getting hints of the mind's function of making suffering for itself, the way it does, the way this comes about. So there is a way of relating to the khandhas which is more uh, unentangled, wiser. The khandhas are just there and the mind doesn't relate to them from a place of clinging. When that happens, to the extent that that happens, the khandhas aren't found to be unsatisfactory. They're neither satisfactory nor unsatisfactory. They simply are. When the mind has this uh, balanced, equanimous, uh, non-grasping attitude and regard for the five khandhas, it's in a state of non-grasping, and in that non-grasping, there isn't any satisfactoriness or unsatisfactoriness. The khandhas aren't reckoned as being anything other than just what they are. So there's no ambition, there's no hope for there to be some kind of satisfactoriness in the context of the five khandhas. And when the mind has that degree of non-grasping, and it's experiencing this sense of the freedom of not being pushed around by the five khandhas, or by its own grasping at the five khandhas, then there's a possibility for something novel, something new to emerge. And of course, that's what we're here to do, is to see this alternate mode of the mind, this way that the mind can operate. Sometimes we catch little hints of it, when we're feeling particularly still and calm and peaceful. The imperturbability of the mind, uh, almost a sense of uh, complete acceptance, the, almost a sense that there's, it's impossible for the mind to be fooled, uh, to be seduced by the five kinds. Uh Sometimes in meditation, a feeling like that can arise. And this is the, the hint that we get in our practice of this liberation that the Buddha is pointing towards.
Because in truth, the mind doesn't have to grasp at the five khandhas. It just is heavily conditioned to do so through our ordinary experiences of being a human being. And it's possible to train ourselves to come to see it correctly with wisdom. And the mind can be drawn or led uh, gradually to this stance of simply regarding the five khandhas with equanimity and balance and not grasping at them and experiencing a natural uh, open-endedness and confidence, stability and integrity that doesn't depend on the condoms being any particular way at all. And so that's what our practice is leading us towards. And knowing the five khandhas in their, in their intimate detail, being able to identify them, recognizing over and over again that that's all that really happens. The five khandhas are simply displaying themselves over and over in all kinds of different ways, like a kaleidoscope. But it's delimited by that. And it's futile, ultimately to cling at those things, or to depend on it, or to look forward to it, giving you any ultimate satisfaction. So the more you recognize the khandhas for what they are, the easier it is to enter into this more equanimous mode. As long as you have some lingering or residual belief or ideal that the khandhas are going to save you or going to satisfy you, are going to be a refuge for you, then you haven't quite understood it yet. You might understand it intellectually, but emotionally it might not seem to be the case. So in order to get that deeper, intuitive, emotional understanding, the only way to do that is to simply observe how they come about, how the khandhas are constantly rising and passing away on their own without much control on your side. And simply in that knowing of them, knowing the truth of them, experientially, recognizing them for what they are, slowly, slowly it seeps into your heart that grasping at the khandhas cannot yield satisfaction, and therefore grasping diminishes, and freedom arises in its stead. So here, close to the brink of the winter retreat. Yeah. We'd like to offer these few reflections for your consideration. Andamayang damakataya sadhu karangadama se sadhu